Welcome to That's My Personal Business, where we are pulling back the curtain on all things personal, all things business, and all things in between. Every Monday, we're hopping into your headphones to help you skip the learning curve by hearing from industry professionals, including myself. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach who now gets to lead hundreds of creative entrepreneurs in building lives of artistic growth, wealth, and freedom. And now it's time for you to do the same. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. Welcome to October. I definitely had a coaching call or consult call. I literally can't remember what call it was, but I was like, oh, yeah, you know, next month, like in several weeks in October. And then I looked at the calendar and it was the 28th. So don't know where September went. Don't know her. didn't experience her. Don't know where she went, but excited about October. Excited to have you here. Last month, we talked about how to up level your business. And this month, we're talking about something like adjacent. There's not going to be any crossover, but we're kind of expanding on that theme, which is now how to build a CEO level business. So you've started up leveling. You've started taking your business seriously. Now we're going CEO mode. Like, sorry, we're no longer small business owners when people ask us what we do. Oh, we're CEOs. We're amazing. We run our businesses. They don't run us. All of that good stuff. So this month is going to be incredible. We have a, such amazing guests on. I'm like so excited for you to experience everything. So today we are going to be talking with Maggie Fisher about contracts and legality within our business, which I know isn't the sexiest topic ever. Like thinking about getting sued is fun for no one. I get it. However, this is something we have to talk about. This is what CEOs do. This is what serious business owners do. We take our businesses seriously and we protect ourselves and we protect our clients with contracts, legal agreements, all of that good stuff. So we have Maggie Fisher from The Artist Lawyer on today, and I'm so excited for you guys to learn from her. She is incredible. She also was nice enough to give us a discount code on all of her contracts. Just use code Eden Strader. Obviously, you guys know I like everything just being my name, <laughs> but just Eden Strader so you can get a fat, beautiful discount as you try to move forward with legally protecting your business. So very excited about that. But before we dive in, we obviously are going to have a little catch up. It's October. September went by in a flash. I feel like I'm finally getting settled in my new apartment. So maybe this is your first episode. You don't know. I moved in August. It was quite the adventure. Like this month, you guys, the last couple months, they have really gotten me in a pinch. And it is something that I like being upfront about in my business is that like there's highs and lows because I'm a human being and we, we are in a low currently, but things feel like they're finally on the up, which I'm incredibly excited about. It was a really rough and tough few months there, but we're going into October. I love October. It is a really beautiful month for me. It also, one, it's always amazing business-wise. Like I always love working in October. It's always a really fruitful month. I always get to connect with so many more coaching clients because you guys are finally slowing down off busy season. It's just like magical, um, but it's also a really emotional month for me. This month is going to mark four years since I um, separated from my ex and started the process on my divorce. And we're going to do a completely separate episode about that because I've been getting lots of DMs lately about almost like a divorce survival guide, <laughs> which I, um, 
I definitely don't think I would have been capable of doing that anytime sooner. But as we come upon four years, this year has been really beautiful. And the fact that I feel like it's the first time that I don't have to talk about my divorce that often. And it doesn't feel like a really key part of my life now. Whereas for the years leading up to this, it was very like, oh, yeah, I just got divorced. I'm just getting through my divorce. So we're going to do a separate episode on that. It is also Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. And I'm going to link the hotline for you guys and the information in the show notes because in October, it's really important to me to talk about this shine a light on it we don't talk about it enough it's really taboo and for those of you that are new to the podcast and you're like I thought I was talking about contracts and business you are but this is that's my personal business baby and we talk about all things personal all things business all things in between because they all affect each other so it's going to be a little bit more it's just going to be an intense month we're going to be talking about a lot of personal things and a lot of business things and on the business side of things I'm so excited for October because that is also when we open systems strategy and soul so I'm giddy I know I'm hopping around a lot but you know me Um, I'm giddy because system strategy and souls finally back open. And this is the industry's first only step-by-step guide to pushing yourself further into alignment from the ground up. It is our biggest course and it is a complete business overhaul to become the CEO of your dreams. Everything laid out from branding to social media marketing to client workflows and automations with step-by-step solutions for building systems that let you do more of what you love, including having a personal life, which I personally, you know, love. So no more guessing work, no more guessing games. The business that you dreamed of can be right around the corner, but that completely depends on you running your business like a CEO. And so I'm so excited that it's finally back open. We only open it twice a year because it's such a big course. You can get it started for as little as $1.99. And I'm going to read my favorite one of one of my favorite reviews and I like because I think it's important I like hope you guys know and I know we talk about it a lot but like I know it is scary to invest in yourself and your business and so it's really important to me that like you understand the extensiveness of these courses and the actionable steps that come through come with them as well as what people have to say that have already done the program okay so this is a review from Brittany Culpepper who we also have in the becoming program now which is so fun but Brittany said after a decade of looking for a mentor program course that just quotes unquote gets me as a creative business owner I'm stoked to get the chance to say I finally found it in Eden's courses if you aren't a type a entrepreneur and these things don't come naturally to you if figuring it out on your own hasn't been easy and you just want to make slash create art authentically while having some guidance on what to do with the business side of things invest in this course I purchased it without really having much money so the investment was a huge deal to me and it is amazing I had previously purchased calling all brands and I knew the value was absolutely there with her previous courses there is so much heart in it and you can truly feel seen as not just a business owner but a creative where keeping the passion alive for your business is one of the biggest priorities to having a thriving business I've been burnt out for most of my career not knowing what the heck to do with it Eden beautifully marries the two ends of the spectrum together to make your work feel natural and authentic to you I highly recommend anything she offers especially SSS Literally, I need to frame that review because it means so much to me. But SSS is one of my biggest babies, you guys, because it is such a gigantic monster of a course that I really just wanted you to have something that would like walk you through every element of your business because there's so many courses that like walk you through one or two things and I was like no I want to completely lay out for you how to build the business of your dreams and so that is what SSS is it is open this month only so I will link again it for you 
in the show notes so that you can get started again for as little as $1.99 come dive in if you're someone I always tell people I'm like there's a few different ways to go about it if you're having a hard time booking go through the soul part first if you're feeling overwhelmed go through systems first if you're like I need to make my marketing more impactful go through strategy first obviously the entire course do it however if you're like specifically struggling with a certain aspect start with the solution for that which you will find in SSS so I think that's all the updates for now happy October you guys I'm gonna stop blabbing for a moment but as a reminder if you love this episode please share it on your stories send it to a friend subscribe so you don't miss the rest of this month's series leave us a review what have you all of that stuff means just truly the absolute world like I always tell people when they bring up the podcast in person I'm like I cannot comprehend that people listen to this podcast like it's so wild to me and it means so much to me so thank you guys so much for being here I hope you know it means the world it means more than I can ever say so thank you for being here I'm so excited to dive in with you let's hand it over to Maggie Fisher of The Artist Lawyer and I will see you next week welcome you guys welcome back to the podcast I'm so excited that we are having Maggie Fisher on today hello Maggie welcome hi thanks for having me oh my gosh thanks for coming I'm like so excited to chat with you you're actually the first I'm pretty sure I think you're the only lawyer we've ever had on the podcast. I'm the only cool lawyer that there is. So true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love, so I always say that if I wasn't a creative, I think I would have been a lawyer. Um, My mom always told me growing up I should be a lawyer because I'm like so argumentative. So I like (laughs) love getting to talk to lawyers because I just find it so fascinating. Um, So for those that don't know you yet, though, can you go ahead and give us an introduction on yourself, your business, all of the good stuff? Well, I will say lawyering is a very creative craft just to, you would be good at it. Um, but I'm Maggie. Thank you again for having me. I am a lawyer. I'm a licensed attorney in the state of New Jersey. Um, I'm also a photographer kind of happened like very simultaneously. I picked up a camera as like we all do just on a whim in college and was photographing friends. And I live in um, a small surf town in New Jersey. So I started working with professional surfers, doing portraits, shooting branding. Um, I started, I did like a couple brand shoots for like wetsuit companies and billabong and those kind of things. And it just quickly snowballed. Um, while I was in college, I started traveling with professional surfers and shooting all over the world with like the top women on tour, which was wild. And then all these people at home wanted me to shoot their weddings. Um, meanwhile, I was in law school. I, you know, finished college. I took a gap year. This is like such a wild journey and wild ride that I'm taking. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, this is, I love it. Um, I actually worked in, uh, for the United Nations development program in Equatorial Guinea, West Africa, um, in between college and law school where photography is illegal did, but did some photo projects while I was there, um, kind of under the radar, probably banned from going back. Um, and then went went into law school and I was photographing like 30 weddings a year throughout law school. And I always was kind of like, what am I doing? How am I going to like combine these crafts? I was like living like two lives. I felt like, like I was like on this like lawyer journey and career path and track. And then I was just like doing the whole photography thing as well. Um, 
and it was good because it made me super efficient, but, um, eventually I had to choose as we all do in life. At some point I gave up the typical full-time career path as an attorney. Um, and then I just, the, the artist lawyer was born. It was just like my brainchild and merger of my two crafts. Um, and it's amazing because I get to work with artists and creatives. I do a lot of trademarks, copyright contracts, a lot of like business consulting, helping people with like sticky situations when clients are disputing payments or asking for refunds or like threatening. We all have those clients that like, I'm yep. a lawyer. My daddy's a lawyer. Well, my I'm a daddy's I'm a, always a lawyer. I'm I'm convinced. a mommy lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> much scarier, so much more intimidating. That's the real threat is a mommy lawyer. Um, okay, amazing. Wow, you dipped your toes into like literally everything. Yeah including illegal photography projects like I'm just like you truly did it all <laughs> yeah oh That's my gosh life. also I'm like just can we just say a quick kudos for the fact that you were in law school and photographing 30 weddings a year like that's the crazy I how did you survive that what was that life like I worked really hard I was always I feel like I was always a hustler and I've had a very supportive partner over the years who I feel like always just had my back and like whatever it was that I was doing. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. And I think it, it led me to the success that we have now because I was forced to be efficient. Um, so we're, I'm like also very big into like workflows, systems, automations. Like we have like a well-oiled, very like I don't know, very, very automated machine that it doesn't feel automated to our clients, but it's like, we just have processes in place for everything. And I quickly learned to outsource. Um, so I hired a team and we like start, I started growing a team my first year of law school. Cause I was like, I need associates on backup. I need a studio manager. I need editors. And that was kind of like before this was like eight years ago now or nine. Mm. Uh, so it was like before that it was like the thing to do like outsource and automations and everything. Um, yeah. And so I think that was the only way that I got through and I just kind of leaned into that with all, I now have four businesses. And so everything is kind of very like automated, streamlined, organized team members under every brand. Um, it's the only way to do it. You would have to. Yeah. I'm like, you literally, there's not enough time in the day to run all of those businesses. Yeah. To scale, you like have to have a team yep. as you know. yes um okay so many questions so many ways to branch <laughs> off I'm like my brain um okay no. yeah I'm like, I have so many ways I want to go but number one I would love to know what going to law school while being a wedding photographer like what that was like in terms of like each of those growing at the same time and the way they entered entered Twelve inter whatever intertwined yeah. um because I'm just like thinking back to when I first started photography and like my first contract was very different than you know my contract now or like we just had my agency's contract written up and it's like the longest contract I've ever seen in my entire life like as it you know, yeah as it should be and like the more you go on the more your contract grows so, like what was your <laughs> I just want to hear about like what your photography business was like when you first started law school and like how it changed as you kept going and like just kind of the way that those intertwined with each other I'm sure that was like very yeah. complex yeah 
I, it was. And I feel like I was so misunderstood, like not understood by like lawyers and people in law school and my professors. I grew up in, in the legal world. My mom was a judge growing up. And so I always had like lawyers and politicians around me. And I would always ask like my mom's friends, like, can you look at my photography contract? Did I do this right? Because obviously I wrote my own while I was mm-hmm. in law school. And people are always like, why do you need this? Or like, there's so much in here. You're just a photographer. But as you know, and like my philosophy is the more you have in there, it's not necessarily like you have this 12 page long contract and it's all like, you know, striking the hammer down and like chaining someone to, you know, like you own them forever. It's really like my approach is like, you're putting everything out there on the table, like your processes, your expectations, and it's beneficial for the client and beneficial for like you as an individual to all come to terms with these things. So I really explored that in law school. Um, and yeah, it was definitely like an interesting balance during both. Like everyone was partying on the weekends and I was like, well, I have another wedding, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was really interesting to like try to, I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of where I realized that like artists and creatives are so not only like misunderstood, but like misrepresented because people don't really understand what we need as creatives in our contracts. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? I'm like to get, to get into it. What would you say are like some of the biggest gaps, both like maybe when you started, but even now, like what are kind of the bigger gaps that people have often in their contracts or like when it comes to start like when it comes to starting to have legal protection and representation in their business? I mean, oftentimes I see like the basics left out. So, I mean, I see people all the time that I just, I just had a client recently who was like an amazing vendor in the industry, like top of the top, does not even have a service agreement in place. And I'm like, how, why, what you have to have a contract, the legal things that you don't think are important um, oftentimes really are. So like the things at the bottom that talk about like venue and jurisdiction. So like that's where a legal matter would take place if something did come up. I see like those things left out a lot, but I mean, I more so mean like what, you know, when I was talking about that a second ago, like the nitty gritty of what it is that we do and like what the client expects. So for me as a photographer, little things like putting in that, like we photograph engagement sessions on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So when a client is reading their contract before signing, they can see that in there. It is not a secret. They've signed this document. So when they go and request a Saturday and we are fully booked on Saturdays for weddings, it's like, it's just, there's no awkwardness. There's everyone's kind of on the same page because they've had a chance to review it. And we've had, like, this is just a very, very small example, but we've had clients even bring that up in the past and say, like, I saw in the contract, you only photograph engagement sessions on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Can you make an exception because of our work schedule? Yes. We'll like figure that out, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just a way that's something that like, I feel like a traditional attorney is not going to thing to put into your contract necessarily mm-hmm. uh, just based off of like, unless you brought it to their attention. Um, and it just helps make like the client relationship so much better. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things that people like, they think of this contract as this like negative connotation, like, like you mentioned, like 
this is so nitty gritty. Like I'm locking you in forever. And it's like, no, like this is actually such a positive thing that can help your clients also feel so much more secure in their agreement with you and their expectations. Um, What are like, I think I'm like one laying out the days is so helpful. One of my favorite things in my contract is I'm a horrible texter. Like god awful i have like 400 on red tax like i can't even text (laughs) my personal people back there's no way a client is like gonna be able to contact me there um and so a couple years ago i think i can't remember exactly when but like we had it installed in my contract that like you can only text me in case of emergency and i'm like literally not liable for any information that you send to me in that format it has to go through email and they have to initial buy it and it was like life-changing to like just have that be an expectation set um do you have like common client expectations that people like let's say they have rules in place within their business but you often see it left out of their contract like I think dates are a great one do you have like anything else that comes to mind yeah I think I mean the texting that's a perfect example and like having them initial buy it is a game changer I literally was talking to a a client of mine a legal client of mine earlier this morning who has that in her contract and her clients still, of course, text her. So I think too, it's a matter of like, are you abiding by the boundaries in your contract? You know, mm-hmm. are you responding to those? Like, are you keeping those expectations alive that you've iterated in your contract? Um, Cause I think like a lot of people, I don't know. I don't, maybe they have them that in their contract, maybe they don't, but that's definitely a really good example of something that you can like let that boundary stand in there and initialing by it is just going to really make that point drive home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, truly. I'm like, we love an initial right by the clause that you need to be like very recognized. Love that. Um, okay. So like when people are starting to like legally protect their business and they're like starting to look into that, um, what are like, Do you have like a top five things, top three things that you encourage people to keep in mind when they're starting to like this journey? Or maybe it's even like improving their contract. Because like I said, like I know my contract has updated and like shifted throughout the years. Like what are some of the things that you recommend people really keep an eye out for? Yeah. Well, always the legal basics. Like I always like to start with that. You know, you want to have a separate legal entity for a reason to separate your personal assets from your business to make taxes easier, get that separate business bank account, get insurance. It's not that expensive and just like do all the professional things because it is worth it in the long run. Um, and then when it comes to your contract, like, I feel like we've brought this up a few times now that it's this evolving document over time. So you might get something, have something in place or like, say you even start with like something very basic. I always tell my clients, like after say we've done like a full-blown custom contract, keep a note in your phone or like a Google doc, whatever it is, and write down every, like, just call it like nightmare situations or like, I don't know, thoughts that keep me up at night, whatever (laughs) you call it. And just make a note of all the things like that make you uneasy. Like say something, even if it doesn't all the way happen, like say something like, you're like, Oh, what if this client did this? And how would that play out in my contract? Like, am I actually protected? Make a bulleted list of that. Maybe it like adds up really quick and you contact your attorney in like a month, maybe it's six months, maybe it's every year, but you can revisit your contract every year 
and keep that like live running document of like things that almost happen or maybe do happen. Maybe it works out and it's fine, but these are all like real situations that are specific to your craft that a traditional attorney might not understand. And that even like somebody in the same industry might just have a different process than you. And so it's not baked into your contract. So you can just keep a a running doc of it and then bring it to an attorney and say like, what would happen under the terms of my agreement? Is the situation protected? How would this legally play out? Do I need to add language in here? And that's something that you can do. That's not like, you don't have to worry about like messing your contract up. Cause I I think a lot of people go in and then there can be like, conflicting terms or like conflicting language if you try to edit it yourself. Um, so you can kind of just keep that document and then bring it to someone and say like, Hey, let's make sure all this is covered. We need to track that. No, that makes sense. I think it's like a really good thing to keep in mind that this is like a living, breathing document of sorts, because yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, eventually you're going to find yourself in a situation that you didn't think was possible. And it's great to like, like, I remember I didn't have a defamation clause in my contract when I first started. I didn't even think about it. Like that was something I literally didn't even think about. Um, and then like, it was in one of my like first years full time. Um, I had a client commit miscommunication and she just like took to Facebook and just started saying things like random things, made up things, just was like dragging my name through the mud. Um, and I just remember after I was done, like crying in bed for days, I just remember being like, Oh my God, like I need to have something in my contract about this that they can't just like go say random things and like drag my name through the mud. Um, so I feel like it's always good to have something where you're like, Hey, something like this has happened, could have happened. What can we do with that? Yep. Yeah. Keep a note of those things. Don't just like throw them under the bed. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, I'm like, they also like, I'm like, if they happen once they can, they can in fact happen again. Um, I feel like creatives sometimes like skip doing contracts for things like they'll be like I need a contract for this service but like maybe not a model call or like maybe not you know um helping someone with something I had a friend recently that performed a service for a friend like nine years ago and they found like a glitch in a contact form like years later and like now are taking legal action because like there was a glitch in the form like it was so crazy. And it was, she was like, I didn't think about sending out a contract because it was my friend. Like I would have never even nine thought years. about that. Yeah. Well, probably not nine. That's probably me exaggerating off the top of my head. It was like within a couple of years, it was like yeah. a long, too long in my opinion, but like recent enough that they took action. But what are like some of the mistakes that creatives make in optimism that you see a lot of the time, like they're hopeful things are going to be fine. And so out of optimism, they just like, don't legally protect themselves. Well, I feel like that was just a great example. It's like friends or like one-off situations. Like you need a random second shooter or like you're hiring a random person to do a thing. Just put the contract in place. It's just for everyone's benefit. And like, like we were just saying, it's not necessarily scary legalese. It's just, everyone is agreeing to, I always like to say it's like a guide to the relationship or like a manual mm. to how you, how your business operates or like what your expectations are. Um, even like, I have a lot of friends who are vendors and will hire friends to like come and help them perform their service, like on a wedding mm. day. And they won't, they don't have like a contract with them. And then 
do they they could come back and like dispute payment do they have permission to use the work in their portfolio to claim that they did you know x y and z um you just like want all that to be clear because like you don't know if someone's going to go and start their own business the next day the next month the next year and then like start like using images say you had like help as a florist and mm. whatever it might whatever it might be or like like you just said design um it's just better to have that contract in place so yeah do uh-huh. you can I ask you like to give us things that you suggest like certain types of creatives have in their contract is that like a question I can ask like could you tell us like five things that photographer like wedding photographers should make sure they have covered yeah so some of the things that I find are, are like missing travel. I feel like a lot of people don't always have like travel in their contracts, how they're going to charge travel. Um, if they are going to have like a travel stipend, um, travel warranty. So like what happens if a flight gets canceled, like say like you're a wedding photographer, you're going to a destination wedding, your flight gets canceled. You lose that money on the flight. You need to rebook another flight in order to get there in time who's responsible for that. Cause you didn't cancel the flight because of bad weather. You didn't choose to get married at a destination. You know, you didn't like choose how many nights maybe they said, Oh, we want to pay, only pay for like three nights at the hotel. And you're like, well, I really would recommend having me come two or three days early. So that in case of flight issues, there's all these things, like all these things that you need to think about. So like travel, travel warranty, travel fees, like who's responsible for what, um, style artistic style so like this goes for like all types of creatives whether you're a photographer a planner a designer whatever it might be um I always like to like make sure there's an acknowledgement that the client has done their diligence and like is choosing this creative for a reason like there's a million designers photographers planners florists like whatever it might be out there you're choosing this person because of their portfolio and like you are trusting in their artistic discretion Mm -hmm. Um, and giving them like that discretion, like I'm mind blown sometimes when people hire us and come back and they're like, can you edit in this way? And I'm like, that is not our vibe. Like you have seen our Instagram, like our Instagram is endless. Like our portfolio is endless. Um, so that's always nice to have in there. Cause you can just refer back to it. Um, let's see what else. I mean, there's I'm so like, many. I can keep tossing. I'm like, what about like, I'm trying to think of our audience and like what the demographic is. It's always wedding photographers. I would say another one is like business coaches, which I'm sure you've seen so much of as the industry has like exploded. Um, What are some of the like common missing things that you see in their legal protections? Yeah. With business coaches, like especially um, if you're doing any kind of like notes or like deliverables, like sometimes they'll do like strategy or whatever how long you're going to keep a record of those things. So like, what if somebody comes back a year later and they're like, Hey, can I actually like, we had a shared Google drive and like the Google drive is now taken down. How long are you like keeping an archive of those documents? They didn't realize they had to like, whose responsibility is it to keep Mm. those documents? Um, so that's something I commonly see with like the education, like business coach sector. Um, and yeah, I feel like boundaries, the big thing I'm seeing right now, um, is chargebacks and like what happens in the case of which I have like four or five clients right now that they have, their clients have issued a chargeback for services rendered and 
I, I see it so often. And then there's language missing in like either the credit card authorization or in the legal document, or there is no legal document or no language as to chargebacks. And all these, not only are you out the money because the bank takes that money out of your account when a client, a client can just say, this is a duplicate charge. This was fraud or the service or product was never delivered. They can just claim that. And then you submit proof to the bank that you actually did deliver the service and it was authorized or whatever it might be. And like, mm-hmm. they still like pursue that. So not only is the money out of your bank, you're now spending your energy time and like your team's energy and time and your resources getting this money back. So like, are there late fees? Also like the bank, sometimes I know, like I just saw $150 fee get tacked on to the dispute for the the creative to continue pursuing the chargeback because it's costing the bank money. So like, if oh you want to keep like $10,000 fee that was charged back, it's going to cost you money. So then, you know, are you able to send them to collections? Are they responsible for, um, you know, the added fees with chargebacks? Like there's, I mean, there's so many things that I could go into. Yeah. I'm like the way my chest just tightens. <laughs> I'm like, it really is crazy how many things like you can see go wrong in these situations. Yeah. Um, what do you see oftentimes with like graphic designers or brand agencies? I feel like that's like a big third of our de- demographic is like designers, people handling things yeah. more on the aesthetic end. Like what are things that you feel like you can recommend that they usually like need to make sure that they have in there? Yeah. That was such a poorly phrased question, but. <laughs> Similarly to chargebacks, um, especially with like, if you're a graphic designer and you offer like templates or products, I feel like a lot of people offer payment plans. And I'm seeing that as well, where people will pay like one of six payments. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I'm seeing that a lot with like online courses too. Um, so it's super important if like you have an online product as a graphic designer or like anyone that you have terms and conditions in place to support you in the case of a bank dispute. Um, and that you have are like required to like click wrap and check those terms and conditions. And like, if you have the potential to have a software that when they get their receipt, it says you've agreed to these terms and conditions and has those attached, um, so that you have just have all of that documentation in place. Um, that way, if they like cancel their credit card or do do a chargeback, you, you have that, um, same thing with graphic designers with like the artistic discretion, um, rounds of revisions, how, what amounts to a revision change, what amounts to like going back to the drawing board and like a full change of scope, um, a kill fee. If like, you can't come to an agreement, a unresponsiveness fee, if somebody like ghosts you for a month or two, and now you like a lot of this space in your calendar. And then now they're coming back and you've like booked other clients and you are struggling to fit them in. So, yeah, I see all those things. So much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so, no, I'm like, but those are great jumping off points for like thing, just easy gaps to have in your portfolio. Cause like you said, it's just like, it can almost just keep getting deeper. Like there, yeah. it keeps branching off. So those are great jumping off points, I think, for anyone yeah. listening. Um, do you like have like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you have a recommendation for, I think something like, I'll use our business, for example. Um, I've like, I know I've struggled when something has gone weird with a contract or a client, or like, like you said, we had someone, I literally have no idea how they did it. I need to like contact Kajabi to like figure out how they did this, but they multiple times uploaded what I'm assuming must've been a fraudulent card, but somehow got approved. But like, 
and got the courses, but never paid anything. Like a dime never got charged somehow. Like it just said the card failed, but for some reason it still let them slide through. Um, and we found it the other day. We found that they had done it with like probably like three to four thousand dollars worth of courses, which was crazy. Like they had just gotten them for free and they had watched the whole thing. Like I was so mad. But then you play this game of like what's worth pursuing? Like when is it worth it to start looking into legal action? And I know that's not a one size fits all, but do you have like a recommendation for people to gauge on like when it's maybe worth looking into, like when you yeah. should maybe start considering like protect, like, you know, defending yourself essentially. Cause I know at least on our end too, it's been a game of like, do we want to deal with that? Like, is that yeah. worth our time? Like, what does this look like? Yeah, totally. I feel like I see that a lot with creatives and I feel like there's a lot of, um, bigger businesses like in the creative sphere like you for example where it's like maybe like you know I, I have one client who's like a massive massive like web graphic designer and um yeah it's like the same game of like at what point do you pay to pursue this when you're already out the money I think, you know, if you can form a relationship with an attorney and have someone that like you almost want to like, think of like a creative attorney as like being a part of your team. And mm -hmm. I have people that I'm, you know, at a certain point in your business, they're just like, have an open invoice and they can just send me things like, Hey, can you send an email to this client that hasn't paid? Because it looks scarier when it's coming from an attorney and maybe mm -hmm. it takes like 15 to 20 minutes. And that's like, you know, I charge four fifty an hour. So maybe mm -hmm. that's like a hundred dollars, but it's like, you're just kind of, again, outsourcing hopefully like nine out of 10 times is going to get more resolved. If like an attorney is taking it on, um, and you know, you're getting that like scary, like legal notice of, you know, you're in breach of these terms and conditions, you know, mm -hmm. for example, um, and you're liable for the terms and conditions for this payment. Um, here's the invoice late fees will tack on. We will tack on attorney's fees if it's not resolved by this date. Um, and I think it's, it's good to have like, a system in place because, okay, you let one person slip through, then you let another person slip through. Then all of a sudden it's like $20,000 in like yeah. things that have been charged. And it's also like, they're telling their friends, oh, I just did it this way. And now like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or that makes sense. No, it's like a, it's almost like a reputation thing at that point. Yeah. I think that it's really important to like protect, obviously protect your assets, protect your creative work. And I also like, if I were you personally, I would be so pissed at Kajabi that they let that slide through and yeah. hitting up their customer support so hard because I know Kajabi is so expensive and I would be asking for a credit on my, okay. it's me about to text my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, get on there. Um, no, that's, that's like so, so much money to be the, the, card processor and like the support. So that's something I always come back to too, is like, uh, with chargebacks and everything, like we pay so much money as creatives to stripe. Like when you look at the percentage and you look at the end of the year, like tens of thousands, every like, time I look at it, I'm like, Ooh, it's thickening. I think we had like 40, 50, $60,000 that stripe made off of us last year hit them up. If you get a chargeback, like they should be giving you support on yeah. like how, cause they see it all the time, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. through them. I don't know. I would no, I'm up. like, 
I will be, <laughs> I will be doing that now. Um, okay. So I know when I enter these, I'm like that person where I get an idea or I hear about something and I'm like, I need to figure this all out at once. Like I need to sort everything right now. <laughs> like how do I finish everything at the moment? So for those listening who are like, oh no, there's obviously like one, maybe I don't have a contract Two, oh no, what if my car- contract is like borderline shit um what advice do you have to people on like just slowly starting to chip away at their own protection in a way that doesn't feel like scary jarring or rushed yeah make a list I just feel better when I have like a to-do list um I have a lot of free resources on our site on the artist lawyer so I have like a checklist of like the 10 legal things you need in your business whether it's like I think it's like LLC insurance separate bank account contract you know, service agreements and like employee and independent contractor agreements. Um, I also think it's like, it's good to start with a template. Um, and I always tell people too, you know, if you go to an attorney, it's going to be thousands of dollars, like for a custom template. And I do feel like traditional attorneys, like they're going to have like the standard legalese in place, but what creatives more so need. And like what I specialize in is that like very niche, very specific, like detail oriented, language about what your craft and like what it is that you're doing. So I feel like people always are like, well, should I work with someone locally? Get a template that's highly specialized in what it is that you do. And if you want to have it reviewed by somebody in your area or like an attorney, have them review this document. That's going to be very special, like include that language that a regular attorney is not going to know to put in there. Um, and I think it's a really good jumping off point too, for, you know, if you are more in those beginning stages. I have a lot of people who read through our contracts and they're like, I didn't even think about putting this process in place. Yeah. I'm like, no, I feel like it's important to just like start with the basics. And I think like in all aspects of being a creative business owner, like it's so easy to get freaked out by how much you have to do. But in reality, like there's no end to the actual to-do list that we have as creative business owners. Like there's always going to be something else to do. Um, And that applies to everything. Like there's always going to be probably another protection that you could have in place, but like there's no use in panicking of the like endlessness of it all. Just like start chipping away at it. And also, I don't know. I feel like as creatives, the one thing that's so hard is wearing all the hats and like being all the things and you don't have to do that. Like, I don't know. I think like, and I'm sure you talk about this as well, but like you can focus on your craft and the thing that you're good at and like outsource and give, like delegate the things that like are not your expertise. Like you don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to be an accountant, get a bookkeeper. If you don't like doing your books, um, Mm -hmm you know, whatever it is and uh, like line up with someone like that can take care of that for you. I don't know. (laughs) No, this was all so helpful. I'm like, I'm going to have to send you some little emails soon. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and like sharing all of your wisdom and for just being this badass photographer that also went to law school slash lawyer. That's also a photographer both ways. I'm like, (laughs) that's so mind blowing to me. Um, obviously we'll link everything for everyone in the show notes, including freebies that you just mentioned. Um, but really quickly, could you let everyone know where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Thank you. So my personal Instagram is Maggie Fisher, M-A-G-I-F-I-S-H-E-R. And the artist lawyer is where everything's at. So, um, I think our handle actually doesn't have the S in it. Even though I trademarked the artist lawyer, I couldn't get, you thought you could get it. Dang it. But yeah, the artist lawyer. So 
Amazing. (laughs) Perfect. We will link that for you guys in the show notes. And we also have a discount code for you, which is very exciting. That will be linked for you there. So thank you so much, Maggie, for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. (laughs) 